Join us for part two in our conversation with Mr. Jim Hobson, former director of education and former president and chief executive officer of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. In, in, in football, people always think that, oh, you just, you're entertainers. They don't see that business aspect, the multiple personalities that a leader like yourself have to manage, the conflict management, conflict resolution uh, protocols that you have to have every day. How was it managing all those personalities? Because the players are sometimes easy. It's us as coaches, it's a, us as general managers, it's all the other sub-leaders that you have to be able to get to buy-in and to run the organization in a certain way, in a certain manager, man, manner that's going to continue that culture that you built as an, an upper leader. How was that kind of experience for you? Well, I think, you know, the, the football side was probably easier in some ways uh, than the business fan side. Um, because you're right, football players, you know, they play college. They've maybe been on several other pro teams and so on. And really, all football players want is a, is a fair chance and honesty. You know, and so if you're, if you're straight with them and you don't, you know, you don't lie to them and, and you try and treat them well, uh, they're going to appreciate that. Um, uh, Kavis, I don't know, you, you would have been with us, uh, yes, you would have been with us for some of our uh, pre-Grey Cup dinners, and you know, that was something I started in 07, and again, I didn't know where I was going to get the money, but we were in our first Grey Cup in a long, long time, and so mm -hmm. I said every player, coach, and trainer, everybody associated with the football side of things, uh, they and, and one guest can come for dinner, and we booked Ruth Chris Steakhouse, the whole steakhouse in Toronto. And uh, had a wonderful, wonderful time, and and uh, we did similar things in Calgary and Edmonton and, and in Regina. But anyway, so this tells you about where we were as a team. So we we do this, and it was awesome. We had a great time, and I had said to Mike Back, my my uh, my chief financial officer, Mike, make sure we get enough room on our credit card for this because you know, <laughs> oh yeah, okay. he says okay, boss, I got you. So we we uh, everybody has a great time and. We go up to pay and credit card bounces. <laughs> so everybody's gone and there Brenda and I are sitting at Ruth Chris Steakhouse and trying to <laughs> trying to get a contact. Anyway, it was about an hour between, you know, between phone calls and, and finally I was able to get enough credit. But that's where we were, you know, that and and I thought, oh, wasn't that great? But anyway, we got back. And we what about this card? Yeah, what about this card? I, I think I ended up putting some of my personal card because uh, my, you know, the credit, the rider card. But that's how that's how tight things were. But talking about culture, um, the the culture had been around the team that the team was volunteer run and staff supported, and. We had many volunteers, and you know, too many to mention that meant so much to the team. But as we moved to a staff run organization, volunteer supported, that was tough for them, you know, because it kind of it signaled to them that they didn't matter anymore. Like, well, we you know, we've kept this team alive, we, we you know, right. fundraisers and donations and season tickets, and, and so I that was that was interesting to maneuver through that. So that the fan base and the volunteers still felt valued, still knew that they were important, but they couldn't be running the security for the stadium. They, you know, we needed right. professionals to do that. Uh, 
we were going to take over the marketing of the team. You know, Steve Mazurik and his staff would do that. And, and some took it very personally that we, we weren't sure. And that was hard because I, I knew these people cared deeply. I mean, I can tell you endless stories about people that wanted to have their ashes spread on Taylor Field and, and you know, just visiting with them. And, you know, my, my wife would say, you told me you were going to be 15 minutes. And I said, well, <laughs> an hour later, you know, wow, he's a longtime fan. I, I, I used to take blankets to people in the hospital and stuff. And she'd say, I was a long 15 minutes. <laughs> and I'd say, well, it is what it is. But uh, that that's the key is uh, uh, as you're making change, how do you keep those people that are important to you on side still as, as because the riders are, they're more than a football team to, to so many of the province. And you just have to recognize that and support it. Huh? I, I'm, I'm, I translate this to the stuff I'm doing today. I mean, every, as you're telling this story, I'm translating it all into my current environment and, and, you know, you know, we talked about the difficulties. I think just before you were talking about some of the difficulties of, of, of navigating through the times that we're in right now. But change is a constant and change seems to be speeding up in some senses. And to be able to bring people along in a way that they do not feel left behind or feel less important, um, it's like, I find it hard. <laughs> really, it's probably the biggest challenge that I have personally. Yeah. And sometimes I'm not sure if I'm even doing it exactly the right way because I can't find a book to check to say, did I do this right? Yeah. And it, you don't necessarily, can, you can't necessarily tell immediately. It's not for some time. Is that, is that, is that your experience? Well, um, you know, I, I, I have to uh, temper my remarks a little bit by saying, um, you know, all this team building and all the positive stuff is very important. But, you know, you can't be singing Kumbaya all the time as, as a leader. Mm -hmm. uh, and for me, um, that was hard, but there were there were people that needed to leave the organization, for example, that, that for whatever reason, you know, good people, bad spot, too long. Right. And right. so I, I always found that hard, but I, I learned that, that at the end, if, you, if, if you're doing it for the right reasons and in, in a very um, positive way, um, it, it works out better for everybody, you know, but, but those are, that's part of leadership. There are just times that Square, you know, square peg, round hole. Uh, two people that I uh, am still very close to that I, that I, you know, I showed the door to, uh, I've served as references for them, and they both are very successful, and they're good friends. In fact, I just spoke to one uh, the other day, and we're going to go for lunch. And so uh, I have had people say to me, how do you do that? Hoppy, how do you fire somebody? And then you're still, I said, well, if, 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 if it's a, for the right reason, not because of personality, yeah, like yeah. I don't like them or whatever, but yeah. it, it's sometimes it's just time to move on. And, and Kavis knows this from his football days. Um, coaches have a shelf life. Uh, players have a shelf life. And, uh, um, you know, and that's just reality. And uh, It doesn't mean uh, you love them any less. No, no, this is nothing personal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, you know, I'm thinking the other day about Danny Clark. If there's a writer past or present that I love more than Danny Clark, I don't know. Roger Allbag and Danny, I mean, this guy is the writers, and, and he's a Tom guy, and he's a former junior player. He's everything you want in a, in, a, in a football player and a father and a community member. But Jeremy says, you got to move on, you know, and, and that's hard, you know, and, 
Uh, now, Danny's, I'm sure I'll have a place in that organization as long as he wants, but having said that, it's still tough. But, you know, uh, uh, as Cabus knows, uh, um, Wally Bono used to always say, better one year too soon than one year too late. Uh, uh, Don Matthews, <laughs> one year earlier rather than one year. And, and it's just hard. And, and uh, yeah, it just, uh, it, that's, that's the part of the business, part of the leadership equation that, you know, you want to bring people uh, along and culture and all that, but sometimes you got to make changes yeah. to make the organization better. And uh, that's just, and even myself, I, I could have stayed on, but I, I thought, you know what, uh, there, there weren't a lot of mountains left to climb. And I thought it's time for somebody to take this new stadium from start to finish yeah. and, and make it theirs. And, yeah. uh, uh, so you just, you got to understand that. Huh? Kavis, can I can I uh, shift over to, to questions around community? Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to shift to that as well. <laughs> yeah, the the, I mean today, I mean you've been you've been involved in all sorts of community, whether it be uh, boards and organizations, and you're you're very you're still active. I mean that that's essentially how you and I met, um, um, on the on the board for for real. Um, uh, Regina Exhibition Association and and oh yeah I was gonna say this at the beginning <laughs> we had a we had a we were on a um, committee was it finance committee mm -hmm. yeah we were a finance committee I, I I chaired the HR committee for a year and 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 uh, when Jim came on the board and we had a finance committee meeting and it was it was in the evening and we were on Zoom and oh, yeah. it was long <laughs> like it was it was long. Yeah. And and so uh, uh, Jim and I were on Zoom, and some people were in the boardroom, and, and it was like I'm hungry, so I go I, I bring back I got this bag of popcorn, and I'm eating my popcorn as we're well. Jim goes, <laughs> he doesn't even turn off his camera. He goes, he walks away, comes back, and he's got this massive bowl of soup. <laughs> I was like. Jim, that is that. Yeah, I'm, so I'm I'm texting him, right? He goes, "So man, what you got there?" He goes, "It's Thai soup. It's Thai soup." So he he turns off his camera while he's eating his soup, but doesn't turn off his microphone. So slapping <laughs> away. All I hear is, yeah. And and the person sharing the meeting is having to talk over this slurping. Well, I'm hungry. <laughs> Davis, you, you know this. That one of the things I did that did not cost a lot of money, but was a big deal to the players and the coaches was we had hot dog day for the players. We had barbecue. We put in a we put in a cooler in the locker room. Chocolate milk. Yeah. Because the doctors knew yeah. Christmas said chocolate milk, and we had juice and we had bowls of fruit. So those things. But I know these guys are living four guys in an apartment. Yeah. You know, they're stopping at McDonald's maybe yeah. on the way yeah. to practice. So when they got there, if we had, a, you know, some apples, oranges, some chocolate milk, and then, of course, the chicken, like, I, it was, it was embarrassing. And that was just, that was some of the coaches and trainers. In there, but, you know, so those things don't cost you a lot of money, but... It's funny, the NFL just came out with a survey about the teams, and yeah. and there were some teams that they were yeah. very critical yeah. of because of the way they treat their players yeah. and their families, and and uh, those things don't cost big bucks, but 
Man, I'll tell you, those players would come in from the practice field when we had, guys, you don't have to take five hot dogs to start. We can start with one or two and we'll build up from there. Right? <laughs> big, big old bucket oh, of chicken. A, a quick story. Uh, uh, Principal Lumsden, uh, half our 400 kids in the school, over half bust, lunches every day, all that kind of stuff. So I started a, a, a hot dog program on every Friday and the students would do the work and I'd coordinate it. And uh, you could get like a hot dog and a milk or a buck and, uh, and everybody could stay for lunch. And so of all the things I did, that probably made me the most popular principal in Lumsden because all the mothers would say, A, I don't have to provide lunch. B, I can go shopping. I can go for lunch with my friends. <laughs> the kids loved it. They had their oh. hot dogs and they had their, you know, and we took, and if you, if you didn't have the money, that was fine. We, we we'll figure that out. You know, and the staff loved it because I, we feed the staff yeah. too. So everybody wins. So, you, you know, those are little things that you can do. <laughs> so, so, and, and at these, at these meetings, when we go in person at, at they, there's always food. Oh yeah! Like you ain't you're not gonna lose weight coming to a board meeting. There's no way you're gonna lose weight. The the so you're on that board. There's a lot of change going on in the environment yep. around that. You're uh, board for SAS Power. Mm -hmm. Lots of change within mm -hmm. the energy sector. Um, you're still with the university. I'm the chair of the uh, University of Saskatchewan Husky Athletics, and I'm on the CFL alumni board. So I still got. Four boards over. Yeah, and, and so these are there's so you've got a global view of sports entertainment, energy sector, um, still something the education side. And today, and it's a big question: What are the key challenges that leaders, people who are or people stepping into the role of leadership? Um, what are the big things that they need to be able to navigate? Because you're you're seeing, and I, I'm beginning to see it, but I'm I'm kind of learning from you <laughs> from your experience. But would, would you, Alicia, what are the what are the things that you think that leaders need to be most aware of now that you're seeing that we need to be able to respond to? I think uh, number one would be the changing expectations of people coming into the workforce. You know, when I came into the workforce in you know the early '70s, kind of thing. Uh, you know, the principal was in charge of the school and, you know, that was just, he set the rules and, and uh, that was the way it was. And, but, you know, this whole generation now comes in, uh, they want to have balance. They want to have a family life. They want to work from home when they can. Uh, they want flexibility. Um, they want input. They, they don't want to be just told what to do. They want to have the opportunity to, to help shape what they do and so on. So. So you've got that whole changing expectations and not, you know, you don't just tell them what, what they do and they do it. And then the the, the world of, of technology and, and everything is changing. You've got to, you really got to be on top of what's what's happening in your industry and uh, and they're also interconnected through through technology and so on. So you're trying to stay ahead of the game and, and figure out what the next move is going to be and, and you're trying to you know, develop staff that uh, have a different viewpoint maybe than you do and mm -hmm. how, how work is. I mean, I was old school, uh, you know, 12 hour work days was, was my norm. That's was that's what you did. You wanted to lead, you put in the time. Well, a lot of really good young leaders are saying, I'm not gonna work 12 hour days. You know, I'm gonna work my eight hours and I'm gonna go home and spend time with my family. And, and you know, uh, um, 
I, I'm very proud of my, my, my family and my kids. They've done very well. In fact, my, my son is in India right now with the Saskatchewan Trade Delegation and, and uh, doing very, he's with Mosaic Potash. And, so they've done well. Uh, but I look back and I think sometimes uh, it's funny the things you think about when you're <laughs> unable to sleep. And one of the things I thought was, did I give enough time to my family and my kids? So I was so driven, you know, to be a successful principal, a successful director, successful this. Mm -hmm. uh, and I hope I did uh, because uh, we have many good memories and we're very close still. But, but you know, they grow up fast and... Uh, uh, once they're on their own, you know, you know, it's pretty. You can't make up those days. So uh, that's one maybe a little regret that I was uh, just a little too driven. But um, you know, it's hard to change who you are. That's that's part of it as well. So, but I think that you know, those are the things as a leader now, and and you need to you need to accept that there's going to be smarter people in the room than you. That there yeah. are, there are going to be yeah. people. That know more about certain issues than you do, and you don't have all the answers. Maybe that's uh, admitting you don't have all. I don't have all the answers here, folks. And uh, so let's let's get somebody that does or figure it out. And uh, uh, you know, you can't bluff your way through anymore. You know, that, that's just not no. going to happen. Huh? Um, there's a saying. I don't remember where I picked it up, but I repeat it lots. The era of CEO as Superman is dead. <laughs> like you're not going to be the center of of all knowledge. Like you could be maybe a long time ago, but now you just cannot be. And, I, and I, you, you touched on a very important topic in terms of work-life balance and the shift in the workforce and how leaders have to adapt to the change in mentality of no more 12, 16-hour days expectation. It's eight hours and I'm going to get some balance. I, I, I'm, I'm wondering, do you see that we're losing a bit of our competitiveness as a society in terms of um, you don't have to spend a hundred hours a week in the office, but are we not as competitive as we were 20, 25, 30 years ago? And is that harming us? And how can leaders instill that? Uh, and I want to frame this the right way because I don't want people to think that you have to kill yourself and ignore your family. But in a certain instance, there is an opportunity for us to understand that being competitive, having a good balance as we see it, is critically important, but we need to keep that edge. I, it's a great point. Uh, and, uh, and we're going to fall behind. And maybe we already are. Some of, the, you know, some of the developing economies where people are still striving to get ahead and, and uh, build businesses and build lives and so on. So... Um, that, you know, competition is not a bad thing, you know, mm -hmm. as long as it doesn't get out of control. But um, uh, I, I used to say this, and I meant it, I, was a, I wanted to have the best school uh, out there. I wanted to have the best school division. I wanted to have the, you know, like, I don't do anything wrong with kind of setting those goals for yourself, as long as you're not, you know, trampling over people or, or doing things that are unethical. But you know, to me, what's wrong with saying you want to, you know, when I played football, I didn't play to, to lose. I didn't play <laughs> for, you know, for the fun of it. Yeah. I, now, I, I aspired played, to be yeah, average. I, I didn't <laughs> want to be average. I wanted to be an all-star. And uh, uh, I played 30 years of, of uh, rec hockey. And, uh, you know, we weren't 
playing for the Stanley Cup, but we still went, when we went out there, we went out there to try and win the game, you know, and, and so I don't think comp competition's kind of got a bad word these days that, uh, you know, you shouldn't be competitive, you shouldn't try to, you know, be your best, but I don't think there's anything wrong with being competitive, as long as you're not running rush out over people or doing things that you, you know you shouldn't be doing, but uh, um, I always had a lot more fun in a competitive game than I did in a game that you're losing badly or winning big time, you know, so, you know, I, it, but it, it is a changing world and uh, um, um, the the new leader has to has to approach things a lot differently. Than, I think it was easier for us in some ways, you know, when we got started because the rules were pretty clear as to mm -hmm. who was in charge and what they were going to do and, and uh, not quite so clear anymore, that's for sure. Well, to that point, I mean, the, the, the reality is that the, the demands on leaders are certainly different. I mean, it used to be that, you know, you, you basically looked at bottom line issues. That, that was your primary, what boards asked you, what's the bottom line issues? But it's beyond that now. It's about what's happening in the environment. How are you dealing with social issues? How you, you know, HR, you know, now, now you're the chief HR person, yeah. you know, and, and, um, and I'm not complaining about any of it. It's just that it requires, it's a set of dynamics that require a high level of adaptability. To, to, to do it, to navigate it. And, uh, and it's, it's still continuing to change rapidly. And so it, you know, you, you raise, it, it is different. It is. And you know, one of the things I think that makes it hard for uh, young leaders uh, is uh, sort of public expectations, politically correct. Um, when I got started, uh, people cut me some slack, you know, if you know what I mean, uh, from, you know, if I did or said something that was inappropriate, uh, you know, I definitely could hear about it, but I wasn't going to lose my job over it, you know, if, if it was, but now it's, if, you know, if you, you just have to be very, you know, I, I look back and, and, you know, my personality was, was such that I, I, you know, I did things that, uh, uh, you know, if I did it today, there'd be probably uh, article in the paper about, you know, and I'll tell you an example. My, my wife and I worked together for many, many years, and so she knew me well. But she said, "We used to laugh. You'd, you'd try to be quiet in the meeting, let the principals talk, and everybody have their say. And then somebody would go off on a tangent, and, and then we'd see you start rubbing your head and rubbing your face and getting red. And we'd say, oh, the big guy's about ready to, you know, the pop, pop. And then the, the next thing you know, you'd go over and shut the door fairly firmly. And then said, then we'd, we'd get the, uh, we'd get the Hobson version of how things are. So, you know, I don't want to come across as, you know, but, you, but if I did, you know, but I, but I knew these people well, they knew me, they knew who I was and so on. But I, you know, some of the things that, you know, coaching, oh man, Cavis and I can, I, I played for Joe Kerber at West Texas State well. Joe was a legend for, you know, he rode around, he weighed 350 pounds and rode around the golf, on the practice field on a golf cart. And, and uh, you didn't want to get the wrong side of Joe, I tell you. And so, and, you know, I learned a lot of new words uh, being a player. So Caveson, I, I mean, and that, you know, that, but that's changed. You can't, you can't, and, and, and it changed for the better, I think, in, in so many ways, but. Oh boy, uh, you, you want to talk about personalities, and uh, you know, I, I, I love, you know, I, I can't. Gavis would be the same. We love Kenny Miller, but you know, you didn't want to tick Kenny Miller off. No, Kenny, everybody's favorite grandfather, no. and, uh, <laughs> but maybe you didn't want to get Kenny ticked off at you. <laughs> right? yeah. 
And that's just that's, that's the reality of the world. Huh? Yeah. Well, you know, we, we, we've had several conversations about being vulnerable and authentic and, you know, and it's got, it can be a two-edged sword, but, it, but it's, it's valuable and it's worthwhile yeah. being that way. And even just listening to you speak, there's like, you know, obviously being open today and which I really appreciate, but also the journey that you've kind of gone through it and, and it's a recognition points. And I mean, it's something that, um, uh, I, I, well, I'm glad I'm recording this because I, I don't have my notepad here to be taking my four pages of notes that I normally do. But, um, you know, so I, I just appreciate you, you, you sharing that, uh, sharing that with us. I, I do have another question because he keeps bringing up these good points that I don't want to let go. In your experience, what are some of the old school leadership tactics and new school leadership uh, tactics that you think can be reconciled to help today's leaders? Like you, you alluded to, we can't coach or you can't coach the way that we were coached. We will be arrested. We will be kicked out of the community, et cetera. And now you're, the empathetic side of you has to come out. The the more um, not congenial, but you have to be more guarded in what you say, how you say it, in the context you say it. There's a lot more thought in our communications, but the effectiveness that we had by being coached the way we were emanates in the way we were able to go out and achieve. So it wasn't all bad. What are some of the things that you feel we can, and I know it's a big question, some of the things you feel that we grew up with from a leadership perspective that translate universally? I think, and, and this started for me with Gord Curry, but um, I still don't think there's anything wrong with having high expectations of yourself, of your staff, uh, telling people when they've messed up and, and so on. But the one thing I learned, and I learned this in the classroom too, uh, always, always, always treat people with respect. Do not strip people of their dignity. Don't embarrass them. Uh, you know, and and and. If I have regrets about things as I did as a teacher or whatever, it would be those times when I, uh, you know, was not respectful to somebody and how I how I dealt with the issue and and uh, and again, you know, you talk about people, Laverne, who you know, like I said, my work wife was with me for thirty years. Uh, she gave me a powerful lesson one day. I, I, I had another staff member come in and I was upset and ticked off and I kind of dressed her down. And uh, the door was open, and uh, she walked out, and Laverne sat right outside my office, and she walked in, and she closed the door, and she said, Jim, I'm very disappointed in you. And I said, why? She said, that girl loves you. She will do anything for you, and she loves this organization. And, and uh, you just, you know, you got her in tears out there. And it really, that's funny, that 30 years ago, and, uh, but I remember that, that, that I didn't, I could have made my point without demeaning you know, her. and so I think that's really important uh, as as we move forward. That nothing, you know, nothing wrong with you know, with uh, having high expectations, asking people to you know be responsible for their behavior, being accountable, doing their job, but in such a way that you don't demean them. You know, and right. uh, um, I, I make them feel uh, they're not they're not valuable. So I think that's the key thing, and I think. Unfortunately, I was lucky, very lucky with coaches, both at every level, 
that I really didn't come encounter that very much. Uh, but I I know you, Kavis and I can tell horror stories about how coaches, you know, treated people and talked to people in every sport, not just football. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think that's the key is, is be respectful. Uh, try and see their side of the issue. But don't don't start letting people off the hook because you you know you don't want to be seen as not politically correct or that kind of right, thing and, right. and so you know you got to be you got to be more careful in what you say and how you say it uh, but that's not a bad thing and uh, um, I look back in you know Tom Collegiate uh, yep. uh, Imperial School we had some old school teachers you know and uh, <laughs> they weren't above. <laughs> Not cuffing you in the back of the head, you know, when, <laughs> when you needed it. But but if they were people you respected, you, you know, you're good I that. understand. I get that. But if you didn't respect them, it's pretty hard to hard, pretty hard to take that. Huh? Talk, talking about respect, I want to be respectful of your time, uh, and and um, and so we we have we have a couple of wind up questions that we we ask everybody, and um, and it's important and. Cavis, can I ask it? Absolutely. Can I? Can I? <laughs> because you know, when Cavis and I started having these conversations and decided we should record these things, we were sitting down trying to figure out if we had the opportunity to build a prototypical leader from the ground up and we were to give it attributes and characteristics and, and it, we had the chance to to pick one characteristic that this leader must have. For you, what would you see that that being? I don't know if there's one thing, but certainly- Everybody cheats on this yeah. one. Why does everybody cheat? But it's <laughs> um, for me, probably passion. Passion for what they do, uh, for, you know, for the business they're in. Um, you know, that would be, that would be so key. Um, uh, I've learned that leadership comes in so many different packages and so many different styles. We used to, we used to laugh in the school division. Uh, I, my structure was myself as a CEO and I had three superintendents. My three superintendents were all women. All of them wouldn't have been over five foot two if they weighed 100, 110 pounds. Um, but I never worked with a finer group of people in my life. Two of them went on to be directors of education. Um, uh, they were different than me. Oh, they were different than me. And, uh, <laughs> uh, they, you know, uh, we had a great relationship though. At the, I, I, I got really big at one time. I was like 300 pounds and, uh, I had some dry cleaning at the office and, the three of them got my pants out and they decided that the three of them could get into my pants <laughs> at the same time. They, they, together they were maybe 300 pounds. But, but, so I learned leadership comes in different pack, you know, female, male, uh, big, small, quiet, shy, uh, you know, it, it really does. And, and those three, uh, lay, um, you know, very close to all of them uh, just were, critical to the success of the organization, and yet we couldn't have been more different. In fact, they, they used to say to me, well, what do you really do anyway? What's, you, what's your job? And I said, what do you mean? They say, well, we're basically running the school division. I said, well, yeah, that's, that's yeah, there you go. One was a finance, one was instruction. I said, well, that's, that's what you do. 
I said, I, I, I'm the big picture guy. I'm, I take care of the board, I'm, <laughs> politics. And, and, uh, and then when, when, uh, when they became directors, they went, oh, now, I get now it. we know what you do. <laughs> Or what you did, but at the time it was like we're not sure what you do. You never have anything written in your book. I said, well, that's because I got to be, I got to be free to deal with stuff as it comes up, rather than if I, if I'm, you know, time myself up all day and they. But anyway, that that's what I learned. Uh, 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 I I actually found that I worked better with the, with women sometimes than men because we it, maybe our egos weren't. They didn't have the egos that. That some of us do, <laughs> myself included. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the um, uh, so, us when when Jim and I first met, and it kind of cools off this. When Jim and I first met, um, you know, I, I I saw you from afar for a lot of years, but I really never got an opportunity to to know you until we had this opportunity to be on a board together, and. Um, and it was shortly after that that I got ill, right? And uh, um, and then we had conversations. Shortly after, I found out that you found out that you were really sick, mm -hmm. and it was right around the same time. And and the the initial uh, symptoms were very similar. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it turned out to be something that could be very manageable, and 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 you know I can take care of through some other means, and didn't have to require drastic surgery or anything like that. And for you, it was a different. A different thing and uh um you know i i i really really appreciate our conversations you had with, you know not just when you found out that you had stage four cancer but how you how you approach it from just being a from a positive perspective despite the fact that i know um i i, I know you have to be scared i, I know brenda's scared <laughs> i know right and and um and you being strong to carry the emotional burden of that and and um you know so cavis and i we chat about you and pray for you and and uh i am i am so glad that a couple of years later you're 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 here you're vibrant um you know you have a birthday oh by the way cavis I, I i'm gonna have to mail this to you but but i i i got i got I got I got Jim some I got I got some cupcakes for for, uh, Ooh, for us here. We got some pretty cupcakes. They are pretty too. Gamers. There's a Rolo. There's a champagne salted caramel. Now, if you were here, I'd share it with you, Kay. Because you got a birthday too. So I have to move to Saskatchewan. I even I even got napkins, pretty napkins, and everything. So oh, pretty nice. We're we're. Uh, <laughs> But I, I just uh, I appreciate you, and I, I thank you for sharing with us. This is going to be a really wonderful podcast, thank and I you. think thank maybe you. a little different than maybe folks are used to hearing from you. I, I, um, um, I will say this about my cancer. I, I was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer almost two years ago um, and uh, told that it was treatable but not curable and that uh, the prognosis was not good. Um, I don't want this to sound you know, like egotistical or something, but I, I really have never been afraid throughout this. Death, I don't fear death. I, I do, don't want to die. I, I love life too much. And, yeah. and you know, we had a birthday party this week and uh, uh, we're going to Mexico for a week. We try to get to Mexico for a week, a month uh, in between chemo treatments. I've had 35 treatments and a couple of surgeries. But I, I just feel like I've had a blessed life. You know, I really have. And... Uh, 
I enjoy every day, and that's been my goal. Enjoy every day, uh, connect with friends, connect with family. Uh, so many good friends that uh, you know reach out all the time. I actually think this cancer is harder on my wife than it is on me. I think it's harder on the caregiver because you know she, you know she you know, loves me and wants me to be around and and feels helpless a lot of times because of what's happening. So. You know, so one of the reasons we we are, we are busy socially, we entertain, we go out, we do stuff, and uh, um, but that's part of it, you know. And also, so I think some people think this guy's really optimistic because we've got a trip booked to Vancouver in May, we've got a cruise booked in October, and so it's like, happy. Yeah, I said, yeah, I'm planning to be here. Because the opposite is, I've already booked the trip. Yeah, I got to make it. You don't, you don't, you don't book things, and then. It's like, well, I'm not going to be here. Well, of course yeah. I'm going to be here. And, and you know, and, and, and the other reality is this. None of us, none of us know uh, when our time is up. Uh, I had a really good friend uh, two weeks ago, fall. Uh, great shape, same age as me. Went to elementary school together. Fell and hit his head on the stairs going to bed. Trip, blood, uh, brain bleed and died. And so you think, oh. And, and unfortunately, I'm at that age where, you know, I, I look at the obits and I, I'm just happy I'm not there, but I do know others yeah. that are there. So, so you just gotta, you know, enjoy every day and uh, feel feel blessed for the for the things that uh, that are good in your life. And uh, there's people that are a lot worse off than me, you know. So we just carry on. That's what you gotta do. I know my my my, my wife Terry just uh, just absolutely, but she just gets such a kick out of Brenda. Whoa. And uh, I think a lot of people do. But <laughs> she just she just. You know, when we have an event, she's just excited to know. Is Brenda going to be there? <laughs> we're at we're at Bobby's place in Musha the other night. Good friends own it, uh, Kevin and Monica, and friends of ours brought a birthday cake. And the biggest birthday it was about this tall. It was we thought it was fake. It was so incredible, <laughs> and it was just an awesome cake. Well, the restaurant was really busy. Uh, a lot of people there from from the spa and so on, and the cake was so big, and we had we had a fairly large group. My wife went to every table and every person in the bar, got a piece of cake, and also it was somebody else's birthday, so we had to sing happy birthday to him and give him the cake, and then she had to explain uh, uh, who I was, and, and you know, and then some of them said, oh, we know who Jim is, and that kind of thing, and so it's like, that's Brenda, and that, that is, She's fine. that is yeah. so, um, typical of her that she would be a, like a social butterfly and my, my mom said I love that girl she, she just said so much fun whatever she, and she does that's who she is and that's good for me because uh, she won't let me you know sit and feel sorry for myself you know kind of thing so that's good anyway it's been a treat being here with you guys thank you very much this has been a fantastic treat I just I'm just happy to see you and I know you have to go so I'm just going to say this you have built a tremendous legacy and I know you've received some honors but for someone that had an opportunity to work with you and uh, see what you've done for the league and hearing all the things you've done for education in the community of Regina, um, regardless when God says your time is up, you've built a tremendous legacy and it will live forever. My friends gave us say they're running out of halls of fame. There's no more they can put you in. I think they're right. <laughs> all right. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Stay bald, as we always say. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Bald Leadership. If you enjoyed the show, please follow, like, and share. See you next time.